we're holding Derech Hashem, Ko Yisrael, and we mentioned um, the idea where the Ko Yisrael Tzorich Shiyamin V'yeda. Tzorich Shiyamin V'yeda, the words of the Derech Hashem are every man of Israel needs to believe and know. We discussed, we started discussing last time about Emuna and Emes. And I told you a story about a chulda and a boar, a weasel and a pit. And I described the story, and I unerred in my description of the story. I said that the man was trapped <coughs> in the hole, and the woman came and drew him out. I went over the story again, it was the other way around. The woman was trapped in the hole, and the man took her out. Otherwise, the details of the story were pretty accurate. But the point is that there seems to be two components. There's something called emes and something called emona. Emes is the moment of realization whereby you understand everything. It's clear. There's no need for extrapolation or fleshing out. And emuna is what do you do with that? How do you continue? Emuna is faithfulness, meaning that you contain the kernel of MS and you carry it on with you. Sorry, Mordecai, I put him there. I didn't realize you were sitting there. There you go. So, MS and Imuna relate to one another like a male and a female. That the MS is the seed and the Imuna brings that seed into reality. MS is a knowledge. But with MS you can't build anything. Because you can't live with a perpetual, perpetual realization. There's points when the realization wanes. There's points where a person enters into a situation of doubt where things are black and dark. In order for a person to be effective, you need emuna. Emuna means that since I have an understanding, a knowledge, I'll go with it. MS is that moment of realization. Emuna is the bringing into fruition. Bringing into fruition of that, of that ideal, of that understanding. Now, I'm going to go into the words of the Ramchal, he needs to. I would have thought a more appropriate word to have used would have been, he is obligated. Obligated seemingly reflects a nature of, you know, the first mitzvah in, in the, the first of the Ten Commandments is, uh, is the mitzvah, the commandment, as it were, of emuna, of belief. I'm the Lord your God that took you out of Mitzrayim, out of the land of Egypt. So why does the Ramchal bother using the word needs? It's not that he needs to. He's chayev. There's an interesting commentary on the Derech Hashem where he posits that Tzorich indicates a need that goes even deeper than obligation. When a person needs something, so once you need it, so then I can obligate you to do it or not. But if there's no need, so then the, the, uh, the notion of obligation never occurs. For example, you need to lose weight, I can obligate you to go on a diet. But if there's no need to lose weight, so then you never come onto the obligation. So there's a statement over here whereby the Ramchal says, we have a need for emuna, we have a need for the connection to the to the divine. Once we have that need present in our makeup, then you can say you're obligated to take that and flesh it out. 
צריך שיאמין וידע, and there's two stages, there's אמונה and there's ידיעה. The אמונה, we said, comes prior to the knowledge. Because the אמונה is, there's a kernel of understanding, but it's not enough. You can flesh it out and you can deepen it through your ideas. Sheyesham, that there is there, Matsui Rishon, the first being. Kadmoin, he came first. Venitzchi, and he's eternal. Vehu Shehimtzi, he brought into being. Umamtzi, and brings into being. Everything which is in the world, and he's God. The name of Hashem, the, what's called the Shem Havaya, the Tetragrammaton. It's one of those great Greek words you only learn when you become religious. Another great word. Um, the Tetragrammaton, the Shem Havaya, Yud Ke I'm saying the He is a K because you shouldn't even pronounce the letters of Hashem's name in order. So that name, the intention that the Shulchan Aruch describes when a person says a name is the master of all the worlds. He was, he is, and he will be. In the words of Ramchal, you see that that links into the Emunah. The Emunah is past, present, future. In the past, he always was. Nitzchi, he always will be. Vuhu shehimtzi, he made. Umamtzi, and is making. Everything in the world. There's a lot of discussion in the modern world in regard to a activity known as mindfulness. Mindfulness means the ability to be in the now, being in the present. I would like to explore briefly how this connects to this point that the Ramchal makes. If you think about it, in terms of who we are, the past and the future, the past is already gone. The future is out of our hands. So the past is out of our hands. It's been. It's gone. The future is out of our hands. Because we don't know what's going to be in the future. We're not prophets. We can't see what will be. So the future is is not part of our world. The past is not part of our world. The only thing we ever have is the present. The only thing we can ever be in is the present in reality. The only reality that there is, is the now. Beyond the now, there's no reality. There's a fiction in our head of what was. There's a fiction in our head of what we project to be. But the only thing that is essential is the now. Now, what happens is as follows. If a person lives in the past or projects in the future he will be in a perpetual state 
of disconnection with reality. All those thoughts that you're thinking about what happened and what will happen, what they do is they remove you from where you are and the only place you are and you live in a world where you're not. And as a result, the experience of living becomes diluted by a flood of thoughts which are completely irrelevant and you live in a world which is not there. It's a dream world. You live in a world which doesn't exist. So one of the most important things about understanding the nature of the reality is the capacity to be where reality is. And the only place that is, is right here and right now. Now how does it tie in with this emuna? When we try to connect to Hashem and we say Hashem (coughs) always was in the past always will be in the future and is in the present it means that the connection to Hashem is a level of realization which allows us to escape the traps of the past and the future. The nature of Hashem is not like the way we process life on a continuum of time, whereby things are always in flux. And therefore nothing is ever real. The nature of Hashem is it's essential. It always was, it always will be, and it is. That moment, that experience, right now, if we can connect to it, is something which is transcendent. It transcends time and space. And when, it, when you succeed in connecting to that emunah of a transcendent time and space, so ironically that's when you can be in the present. Only when you're able to rise above the notions of time and space can you actually connect. As long as you're trapped in the notions of time and space, so you remain distant. It's it's hard to express. As you see, I'm struggling. Uh, Josh. Um, You could say that time is just a measure of of the extent to which things change, really. So how does that fit in with the idea of God, which doesn't change? That means he doesn't, he doesn't, he's above time. Yeah. Correct. Now, this idea of Kol Yish Ishmi Israel, Tzorich, Sheyamin Vyeda, there's a need for this. Sheyesham Matsui Rishon. Sheyesham Matsui Rishon. There is this being. Kadmoin Venitsky. So when it says Matsui Rishon, the first being, it's obviously not referring to in a sequence, because that's what Kadmoin means. So Matsurish means it's in terms of preeminence, a preeminent being. Kadmoin Venitsri. Kadmoin always was. Nitsri always will be. The who not only is the being eternal, but he relates to the world in such a way. The entire reality is a consequence of his creative force. 
and we refer to him as God. So everything we experience is a consequence of that energy being driven by Hashem. Okay. Um, The idea that maybe we've dealt with before. Is we discussed it on Shabbos. It's what we discussed. It's called the idea of the atomic moment. Splitting the atom in time. The idea of the atomic moment is that in every moment in time, there's exponential energy. But you have to be able to locate it. What I mean by that is, if you process life as a, as a, within the confines of time and space, so then events happen to you, and then they, you move past them, they move past you, both in space and time. So, for example, were we now to go for a walk in the park? So we would walk across the road, walk around the trees, and come back. That event took place over space and time. Were we to go on a walk with Emuna in the park? So when we tread upon the grass, we realized that there once was a time when this grass wasn't around and it was brought into being by a creative force and it's energized by that same creative force now. And my experience of my foot treading on it is also another expression of that same energy. And the fact that I can see the contrast between the sun shining on the leaves of the tree is another manifestation of the energy present in the world. And all of these things are just protim from a klal. Meaning the klal is created and creates the world. How do I see that? I see it in that leaf and in that shadow and in that sunlight. I see that, that's, where, that's where I grasp it with my senses. But what is it that I'm grasping? I'm grasping Shehu Matsoi Risha in Kadmoi Munitski Shuhim Sivamamsi. I'm going through an experience of Emuna. I'm going through an experience of the connection to the Creator. That's what my experience is. So that experience doesn't elapse when I come back to the room. I'm still experiencing that. It didn't take place in time and space. It was beyond time and space. Because the time and the space are just the protim of the klal. The klal is the power of the creator. Closer? Am I getting any closer? I don't know if I'm getting... Is it getting any clearer? Better? For, for you, anyone else getting any clearer or getting worse? Josh Zachary Rose. Same level. Same. More of the same. Okay. Maybe... I'll give it to you to, to, to ponder. The, the point that I'm trying to express in the first words of the Ramchal is that the experience of Imuna is a different experience of life to the experience of life without Imuna. The experience of life without Imuna is a world which is just filled with enormous amounts of Pratim. Details and details and details. And events then become very much located, strapped by the time and space that they occurred within. Let me try and make it another example of maybe an event that all of us realize is a transcendent event. Think in your minds of a time when you met a person 
that you feel that the impact of that person will never leave you. Okay? When you think about it, then you realize it wasn't that, say someone said something to you that you'll never forget. It wasn't that the words that he said. It wasn't that it happened to occur on a mountaintop in the, in the Galilee. Th- those weren't the point. The point is those words and that place unlocked something much deeper than that. Unlocked a feeling inside of you, unlocked a connection, unlocked a perception. In other words, those words and that place was just a mechanism which drew out something which was way, way beyond those words and place and that's why I won't leave you. But when you go to the Macaulay and you buy a chocolate bar, so that experience will elapse when you've finished the sale and you've eaten the chocolate bar because there, then you lived in the Pratim. You lived in the detailed situation. Some experiences are transcendent. Some experiences are located in the completely not transcendent. The goal of life through Emuna is to make life a constant transcendent experience by realizing that every moment is an experience of connection. In other words, it would be like the experience of divine providence, that things are guided. When things occur, they occur for a reason. When you experience divine providence, you need to speak to someone, you don't know where he was, all of a sudden he turns up. So then you're not experiencing the person who turned up in front of you. You're saying, wow, look at that principle. I'm being taken care of. How do I know I'm being taken care of? This person came at this time. That's just an illustration. But the experience you have is I'm being taken care of. That's a higher thing. And beyond that you could say, and the reason why I can be taken care of is because there's a powerful creator that can negotiate his presence, my presence, us coming together, and he can put all the factors in place. So by simply seeing a person that you needed to see and you didn't expect to see and he came up at the right time, all of a sudden you see there's a God who's making the world function and he was, he will be, and he's creating the world right now. To understand, that's living life transcendently. Josh, you my barometer? Yeah. Forward. We moved forward. Zach. Is it like the difference between like your perception of what is and then the actual reality of what is? Like, like I was, uh, this is only coming out because I listened to Sherry smoke earlier in the year, but about like being like sick. Like a lot of people perceive being sick as being bad, but it all depends on how you like. Beautiful. How you. Uh, what your perception if your perception of it is bad to you it's bad but do, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's, it's something of its own and it's what you perceive excellent of it. perfect example you get sick so you can say if you see it in the prat of the details so you say it's inconvenient it's painful and it's a bother if you understand that there's a creator and he's looking after my own good and everything he does is only for my own good and I see the truth is, because I was laid up in bed for two days, it made me think about myself. And because of that, I picked up my phone and I phoned a friend they haven't spoken to because I realized that we'd lost this connection. So then you see that the sickness was just a mechanism of revealing a different part of yourself. And the sickness was in fact good, painful and hurtful, bothersome. But you're seeing the point behind it, the meaning behind it. You're seeing the cloud of the prat. That's the cloud that claims I'm taking care of you. The way it manifested in, you're in bed for three days. But if you look at just the facts, so then you never get to the transcendent. 
moving forward, paragraph base. Another thing that needs to be known, that this being, the reality of the nature of God cannot be grasped by anyone other than God. And only this can we know in Him. The only thing we can possibly know about God is He's complete in every means of completion of perfection and there is no lacking or deficiency in Him whatsoever. So this is interesting. By the very nature of the way we internalize creation, we can't possibly grasp as a created being the nature of our Creator. We can know things about Him, but we can't know the essence of Him because our minds are limited to working within certain parameters and frameworks. Now this becomes a tricky point because we're discussing that there's essentially two ways and the Ramchal focuses very strongly on the understanding, the analysis and all the kind of cognitive things you need to put the world into focus. Knowing God through those kind of frameworks is an impossibility. Because the minute you start to discuss the most abstract framework, you've already created a limitation. There's a boundary that's been drawn. You can't draw any boundaries. Because God is unlimited in absolutely every aspect of His being. So the truth is, in terms of knowing anything about God, we cannot. Can't know anything. We can know analogies to but we can't know essential things about we can, we can say it's like this it's similar to in our world this is how it would seem but in terms of actually grasping any iota of an essence that is completely and utterly way above and beyond us Shlomo this is kind of like when, when you set the picture furniture in our head and we can do it right but like we can individual, individual pieces of furniture we couldn't picture it, in other words, it's, but it's taking it even one step f- further, because it's saying not only can't you can't you picture it, but you actually you can't even conceive of it. Furniture you can conceive of; it's, it's an abstract, but you can you can understand, it and then you can when you see the the chair, you can say, I understand why that's part of this abstract concept, because furniture means household items to facilitate seating and resting items of people upon them. Ah, this is that. Good. So, but there's, there's a limitation to the concept. Hashem, you can't even open your mouth. It's beyond language. So what becomes really a very, a very interesting point is, well, if you can't understand anything about God, can you really have a relationship? How can you have a relationship? What becomes also interesting is, well, what is Torah? Because Torah is a set of frameworks. It's very limited. It has specific beginnings and ends to the ideas, which when translated into actions form very concrete do's and don'ts. So how do all those things interrelate? And that's something which we can explore. But question, who answered the question? Go on, Josh. There's an interesting example that Arya Kaplan brings. He says that when you uh, do a meditation on nothingness, most people try and imagine blackness or a vacuum, but those are things themselves. So 
you don't actually have the essence of what that meditation is about. So I think it's like no, nothingness is not black. Nothingness is nothingness. Yeah. But you can't think about nothingness because it's nothing. We can't grasp it. The source of this knowledge comes from the forefathers. And from the prophets. Now look what he says. V'hisigum kol Yisrael b'ma'amad ha'sinai and the entire Jewish people grasped these ideas at the foot of Mount Sinai with absolute clarity. And they taught their children generation after generation. So this is, this is also a crucial point in terms of where do, we, where do we nourish ourselves from? One of the strongest points of nourishment was the place in history where, as it were, we met our Creator. Until that point in time, there'd been individual meetings, the forefathers, prior to the forefathers, Adam, his son, Shais, Enoch going down, Noach, Shem Ve'ever, Shem being the son of, of, of Noach, taught Avram as well. And Avram came to his own realizations of connection to these ideas. But the Jewish people as an entire nation experienced all these things collectively at one point in history, which we'll delve into hopefully next time.